Section two of Mary Schweidler, The Amber Witch. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sissy Neck. Mary Schweidler, The Amber Witch by Wilhelm Meinhold. Translated by Lucy Duff Gordon. The Seventh Chapter The Seventh Chapter How the Imperialists Robbed Me of All That Was Left, and Likewise Broke Into the Church, and Stole the Vasa Sacra, and Also What More Befell Us. After a few days, when we had eaten almost all our food, my last cow fell down dead. The wolves had already devoured the others, as mentioned above not without a strong suspicion that Lizzie had a hand in it, seeing that the poor beast had eaten heartily the day before, but I leave that to a higher judge, seeing that I would not willingly calumniate anyone, and it may have been the will of God, whose wrath I have well deserved. Summa, I was once more in great need, and my daughter Mary pierced my heart with her sighs, when the cry was raised that another troop of imperialists was come to Ukaritz, and was marauding there more cruelly than ever, and moreover had burnt half the village. Wherefore I no longer thought myself safe in my cottage, and after I had commended everything to the Lord in a fervent prayer, I went up with my daughter and old Ilsa into the Streckelberg, where I already had looked out for ourselves a hole-like cavern, well grown over with brambles, against the time when the trouble should drive us thither. We therefore took with us all we had left to us for the support of our bodies, and fled into the woods, sighing and weeping, whither we soon were followed by the old men, and the women and the children. These raised a great cry of hunger when they saw my daughter sitting on a log, and eating a bit of bread and meat, and the little things came with their tiny hands stretched out and cried, Have some too, have some too. Therefore, being justly moved by such great distress, I hindered not my daughter from sharing all the bread and meat that remained among the hungry children. But first I made them pray, The eyes of all wait upon thee. Upon which words I then spake comfortably to the people, telling them that the Lord, who had now fed their little children, would find means to fill their own bellies, and that they must not be weary of trusting in him. This comfort did not, however, last long for after we had rested within and around the cavern for about two hours, the bells in the village began to ring so dolefully that it went nigh to break all our hearts. The more as loud firing was heard between whiles. Item, the cries of men and the barking of dogs resounded, so that we could easily guess that the enemy was in the village. I had enough to do to keep the women quiet, that they might not by their senseless lamentations betray our hiding place to the cruel enemy and more still when it began to smell smoky, and presently the bright flames gleamed through the trees. I therefore sent old Posh up to the top of the hill, that he might look around and see how matters stood, but told him to make good care that they did not see him from the village, seeing that the twilight had but just begun. This he promised, and soon returned with the news that about twenty horsemen had galloped out of the village, towards the Demero but that half the village was in flames. Item, he told us that by a wonderful dispensation of God, a great number of birds had appeared in the juniper bushes and elsewhere, 
and that if we could catch them, they would be excellent food for us. I therefore climbed up the hill myself, and having found everything as he had said, and also perceived that the fire had, by the help of God's mercy, abated in the village. Item, that my cottage was left standing, far beyond my merits and deserts. I came down again, and comforted the people, saying, The Lord hath given us a sign, and he will feed us, as he fed the people of Israel in the wilderness. For he has sent us a fine flight of fieldfares across the barren sea, so that they were out of every bush as ye come near it. Who will now run down into the village and cut off the mane and tail of my dead cow which lies out behind on the common? For there was no horsehair in all the village, seeing that the enemy had long since carried off or stabbed all the horses. But no one would go, for fear was stronger even than hunger. Till my old Ilsa spoke and said, I will go, for I fear nothing, when I walk in the ways of God. Only give me a good stick. When old Posh had lent her his staff, she began to sing, God the Father be with us, and was soon out of sight among the bushes. Meanwhile, I exhorted the people to set to work directly and to cut little wands for springes, and to gather berries while the moon still shone. There were a great quantity of mountain ash and elder bushes all about the mountain. I myself and my daughter Mary stayed to guard the little children, because it was not safe there from wolves. We therefore made a blazing fire, set ourselves around it, and heard the little folks say the Ten Commandments, when there was a rustling and cracking behind us. And my daughter jumped up and ran into the cavern, crying, Pro Dolor Hostess. But it was only some of the able-bodied men who had stayed behind in the village, and who now came to bring us word how things stood there. I therefore called to her directly, Amergus Amici. Whereupon she came skipping joyously out and sat down again by the fire, and forthwith my warden, Heinrich Seden, related all that had happened, and how his life had only been saved by the means of his wife, Lizzie Colkin, but that Jürgen Flatow, Jim Burse, Klaus Peer, and Jim Sederitz were killed, and the last named of them left lying on the church steps. The wicked incendiaries had burned down twelve sheds, and it was not their fault that the whole village was not destroyed, but only in consequence of the wind not being in the quarter that suited their purpose. Meanwhile they told the bells in mockery and scorn to see whether anyone would come and quench the fire, and that when he and the three other young fellows came forward they fired off their muskets at them. But by God's help none of them were hit. Hereupon his three comrades jumped over the paling and escaped, but him they caught, and had already taken aim at him with their firelocks, when his wife Lizzie Colkin came out of the church with another troop, and beckoned them to leave him in peace. But they stabbed Lena Hebers as she lay in childbed, speared the child, and flung it over Klaus Peer's hedge among the nettles, where it was yet lying when they came away. There was not a living soul left in the village, and still less a morsel of bread so that unless the Lord took pity on their need, they must all die miserably of hunger. Now who is to believe that such people can call themselves Christians? I next inquired when he had done speaking, but with many sighs, as anyone may guess, after my cottage. But of that they knew not, save that it was still standing. I thanked the Lord, therefore, with a quiet sigh, and having asked old Seden what his wife had been doing in the church, I thought I should have died for grief when I heard that the villains came out of it, 
with both the chalices and patents in their hands. I therefore spoke very sharply to old Lizzie, who now came slinking through the bushes, but she answered insolently that the strange soldiers had forced her to open the church, as her goodman had crept behind the hedge and nobody else was there, that they had gone straight up to the altar, and seeing that one of the stones was not well fitted, which truly was an arch lie, had begun to dig with their swords till they found the chalices and patents, or somebody else might have betrayed the spot to them, so I need not always to lay the blame on her and rate her so hardly. Meanwhile, the old men and the women came with a good store of berries. Item, my old maid, with the cow's tail and mane, who brought word that the whole house was turned upside down, the windows all broken, and the books and writings trampled in the dirt in the midst of the street, and the doors torn off their hinges. This, however, was a less sorrow to me than the chalices, and I only bade the people make springes and snares, in order next morning to begin our fowling with the help of Almighty God. I therefore scraped the rods myself until near midnight, and when we had made ready a good quantity, I told old Seden to repeat the evening blessing, which we all heard on our knees, after which I wound up with a prayer, and then admonished the people to creep in under the bushes to keep them from the cold, seeing that it was now about the end of September, and the wind blew very fresh from the sea. The men apart, and the women also apart by themselves. I myself went up with my daughter and my maid into the cavern, where I had not slept long before I heard old Seden moaning bitterly, because, as he said, he was seized with the colic. I therefore got up and gave him my place, and sat down again by the fire to cut springes, till I fell asleep for half an hour. And then morning broke, and by that time he had got better, and I woke the people to morning prayer. This time old Posh had to say it, but could not get through with it properly, so that I had to help him. Whether he had forgot it, or whether he was frightened, I cannot say. Summa, after we had all prayed most devoutly, we presently set to work, wedging the springes into the trees and hanging berries all around them, while my daughter took care of the children and looked for blackberries for their breakfast. Now we wedged the snares right across the wood, along the road, to Ukaritz, and mark what a wondrous act of mercy befell from the gracious God. As I stepped into the road with the hatchet in my hand, it was Seden, his hatchet, which he had fetched out of the village early in the morning. I caught sight of a loaf as long as my arm, which a raven was pecking, and which doubtless one of the imperial troopers had dropped out of his knapsack the day before, for there were fresh hoof marks in the sand by it. So I secretly buttoned the breast of my coat over it, so that none should perceive anything, although the aforesaid posh was close behind me. Item, all the rest, followed at no great distance. Now, having set the springes so very early, towards noon we found such a great number of birds taken in them, that Katie Barrow, who went beside me while I took them out, scarce could hold them all in her apron. And at the other end, old Poggles pulled nearly as many out of his doublet and coat pockets. My daughter then sat down with the rest of the womankind to pluck the birds. And as there was no salt, indeed it was long since most of us had tasted any, she desired two men to go down to the sea and to fetch a little salt water in an iron pot borrowed from Stauffer and so they did. In this water we first dipped the birds and then roasted them at a large fire, while our mouths watered only at the sweet savor of them, 
seeing it was so long since we had tasted any food. And now when all was ready and the people seated on the earth, I said, Behold how the Lord still feeds his people Israel in the wilderness with fresh quails. If now he did yet more and sent us a piece of manna bread from heaven, what think ye? Would ye then ever weary of believing in him, and not rather willingly endure all want, tribulation, hunger, and thirst, which he may hereafter lay upon you according to his gracious will? Whereupon they all answered and said, Yea, surely. Ego, will you then promise me this in truth? And they said again, Yea, that will we. Then with tears I drew forth the loaf from my breast, held it on high, and cried, Behold then, thou poor believing little flock, how sweet a man a loaf, your faithful Redeemer, hath sent ye through me. Whereupon they all wept, sobbed, and groaned, and the little children again came running up and held out their hands, crying, See, bread, bread. But as I myself could not pray for heaviness of soul, I bade Posh, his little girl, say the gracious. The while my Mary cut up the loaf and gave to each his share. And now we all joyfully began to eat our meat from God in the wilderness. Meanwhile, I had to tell in what manner I had found the blessed manna bread, wherein I neglected not again to exhort them to lay to heart this great sign and wonder how that God in his mercy had done to them as of old to the prophet Elijah, to whom a raven brought bread in his great need in the wilderness, as likewise this bread had been given to me by means of a raven, which showed it to me, when otherwise I might have passed it by in my heaviness without ever seeing it. When we were satisfied with the food, I said the thanksgiving from Luke twelve twenty four, where the Lord saith, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? But our sins stank before the Lord. For old Lizzie, as I afterwards heard, would not eat her birds because she thought them unsavory, but threw them among the juniper bushes, whereupon the wrath of the Lord was kindled against us, as of old against the people of Israel, and at night we found but seven birds in the snares, and next morning but two. Neither did any raven come again to give us bread. Wherefore I rebuked old Lizzie, and admonished the people to take upon themselves willingly the righteous chastisement of the Most High God, to pray without ceasing, to return to their desolate dwellings, and to see whether the all-merciful God would peradventure give them more on the sea. That I also would call upon him with prayer night and day, remaining for a time in the cavern with my daughter and the maid to watch the springes, and see whether his wrath might be turned from us. That they should meanwhile put my mance to rights to the best of their power, seeing that the cold was becoming very irksome to me. This they promised me, and departed with many sighs. What a little flock! I counted but twenty-five souls, where there used to be above eighty. All the rest had been slain by hunger, pestilence, or the sword. I then abode a while, alone and sorrowing in the cave, praying to God, and sent my daughter with the maid into the village to see how things stood at the manch. Item, to gather together the books and papers, and also to bring me word whether hence the carpenter whom I had straightway sent back to the village, had knocked together some coffins for the poor corpses, so that I might bury them next day. I then went to look at the springes, but found only one single little bird, whereby I saw that the wrath of God had not yet passed away. 
Howbeit, I found a fine blackberry bush, from which I gathered nearly a pint of berries, and put them together with the bird and Stoffer Zooters his pot, which the honest fellow had left with us for a while, and set them on the fire for supper against my child and the maid should return. It was not long before they came through the coppice, and told me of the fearful devastation which Satan had made in the village and manch by the permission of an all-righteous God. My child had gathered together a few books, which she brought with her, above all, a Virgilius and a Greek Bible. And after she had told me that the carpenter would not have done till next day, and we had satisfied the cravings of hunger, I made her read to me again, for the greater strengthening of my faith, the locus about the blessed raven from the Greek of Luke, at the twelfth chapter, also the beautiful locus parallelis. Matt 6. After which the maid said the evening blessing, and we all went into the cave to rest for the night. When I awoke next morning, just as the blessed sun rose out to the sea and peeped over the mountain, I heard my poor hungry child already standing outside the cave reciting the beautiful verses about the joys of paradise, which St. Augustine wrote, and I had taught her. She sobbed for grief as she spoke the words. Uno pane vivunt sibus utriesque patria, avidi et semper pleni, quod habent desiderant, non sacietes, fastidit, neque fames cruciat, iniante semper edunt, et edentes iniant, flos perpetuas, rosarum ver agit perpetuum, candent lilia, rubicit crocus, sudat balsamum, virent prata, vernant sata, Rivi melis influent, pigmentorum spirat odor liquor et amoratum, pendent poma floridorum non lapsura nemorum, non alternate luna visis solvel cursus siderum, agnus et felicis urbis lumen in occiduum. At these words my own heart was melted. And when she ceased from speaking, I asked, What art thou doing, my child? Whereupon she answered, Father, I am eating. Thereat my tears now indeed began to flow, and I praised her for feeding her soul, as she had no meat for her body. I had not, however, spoken long before she cried to me to come and look at the great wonder that had risen out of the sea and already appeared over the cave. For behold, a cloud, in shape just like a cross, came over us and let great heavy drops as big or bigger than large peas, fall on our heads, after which it sank behind the coppice. I presently arose and ran up the mountain with my daughter to look after it. It floated on towards the octa water, where it spread itself out into a long blue streak whereon the sun shone so brightly that it seemed like a golden bridge on which, as my child said, the blessed angels danced. I fell on my knees with her and thanked the Lord that our cross had passed away from us. But alas! Our cross was yet to come, as will be told hereafter. End of section two. Recording by Sissy Neck.